Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tapping Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. A little bit later and technically we might have missed a week, Ian. Uh, our own fault. You had a day off for your haircut, didn't you? And then I we had, uh, uh, yeah, had your day out with uh, for your missus. We both had our missus's birthday Friday and Saturday and we're trying to squeeze this one in, but felt like it's better to maybe do it now, cover what's happened after the weekend. Rather, all the little preview stuff that I've written for the boxing's gone out the window, given the boxing fights already happened, hasn't it? Which we can come on to, but um, better late than never. Well, the notes at football were best. It were like, oh, Liverpool might have a chance here and Leeds might have a chance. No, <laughs> neither. Just delete. Should have yeah. just deleted. Get rid of um, it. Torch it. Um, on a separate note, all right, so this has just come through. I'll show you it on my camera. My uh, new deodorant balm. All right, look, let me show you this. All right. So it's like... So it's not going to work. Balm. How much was it? Tell me how much it was first. I'm going to show you it first. <laughs> you if you pay more than 20 quid for some deodorant, you're getting a smack tomorrow ah, when I see you. It's all right, because it won't over 20 quid. It was 19 quid. Jeez. Look at the size of the bottle. Oh, so just next to my hand. About the size of just over my palm. Um, yeah, it was made by... Let me read you the back. Uh, or does it say... Oh, no, I've lost it. Oh, yeah, there you go. The effective life-changing natural deodorant inspired by london's west end it says it's plastic free it's cruelty free it's aluminium free and it's gender free jesus christ so that's what you pay 20 quid for is a load of woke nonsense that's basically from what you've shown me it looks like moisturizing cream that's supposed to stop you sweating i'll take a bet with you now tomorrow if it's hot like this you'll be a sweaty cunt and you'll be like yeah what a waste of 20 quid that was well that that's the point of it it's supposed to be even people who do the West End and they're obviously notoriously active and like flopping around stage all the time don't get sweaty with this on. So we'll see. And when you sat there in a pool of sweat and you're like, fucking hell, I wish I had some of that. Do you know what? I was quite interested until you said gender free. (laughs) And it's like, what? Who puts that on a sales pitch? Well, no, because it's not not as in like it's a man or female. Like don't identify as old. It's just it can be used for either gender. So back in the day, that would be called Multisex. unisex. Oh, yeah, is, is that have we lost that now? We have to have some kind of extra sound and title. It's not just unisex. It's not like is that not acceptable anymore? It's not as catchy though, is it? Aluminium free, um, plastic free, cruelty free, unisex. You got to add the freeze, haven't you? And it's look just because you're jealous. I mean, nineteen pound deodorant balm, and and well, we're on it as well. Look what else came. This is my two hundred and twenty uh, shampoo bottle so you can get 120 washes out of that uh menu it is promise i'm not being sponsored by these but uh yeah i'll update you on now that go oh well actually you won't you won't need it will you but i'll I'm update you rolling, anyway uh i'm still rolling like 1995 mate with links africa so uh <laughs> fuck that shit i don't need anything right anyway what's up proper news then and garnu <laughs> Well, got... before that, I was just going to say, do we cover Friday night? We had a little uh, session out, didn't we, for the ladies' birthday. We met up for um, what I'm going to call Non Jovi, <laughs> a Bon Jovi tribute band in Pondy. How could I possibly forget that? Yeah, it was garbage. Right, it, to be fair, no, it was garbage. Fuck I knew off. you were going to say it was good. It was shit. It was better than I expected it to be. I was not having high hopes in the slightest, but I'd forgotten. Aside from your classics of living on a prayer and it's my life, I'd forgotten about dead or alive banging tune from cat that they did and um so good i uh, blaze of glory 
that's a tune as well. But I don't um, know either of them. Yeah, but I was singing along, wasn't I? What's Shouting... the shot to the heart song? What's that called? You uh, give love a bad you give name. Love a bad name. Yeah, that, that's a good song. That was probably the only one. The best bit about it, what we said when they came out, you had um, him dressed up. You had uh, what's the other one called? A fake Richie Sambora. Yeah, Richie Sambora, and they they looked all right, didn't they? They didn't look fantastic, but they are in Ponte. And then you had two people on the uh, piano and. Some sort of, I think you were a bass drums, guitarist, I think, and like the drums. drums and like the keyboard that had made zero effort and looked like <laughs> two people's dads that had joined in on the band. Like, you felt like, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I quite like Bon Jovi, or certainly back in the day, I couldn't tell you that the other two people's names. I reckon even the most hardcore fan outside of John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora, no one knows them. You'd be pretty sad, wouldn't you? The worst bit about it all were those weird groupies, so they were like. There must have been into the forties or fifties those old women in front of um, John. We're going to say John Bovey then. John um, non John, John Bovey non Um But they were like they looked as though they were going to whap the breasts out. It were a bit. I was like, I can't. I did I can't say to you it. though when you rocked up, you kind of surprised me, didn't you? Had a little uh, rock up out of nowhere. You must have been the youngest in there by a while. Easily. This is not going to be a young person's gig. And I'll be honest, it made me feel young at fucking 41. I was like, I quite like this, just surrounded by fucking 60-year-old um, former sort of heavy metal stars. You see how many like Bon Jovi t-shirts there were? Yeah. Loads of people wearing Bon Jovi t-shirts. But um, I don't get anyway. it. Like, but you, you go into that though and you're like, I get wanting to see a tribute act, but why would you go wearing merchandise and stuff like that? It's not like... It's actually. I mean, in. it's back in the day. Like, I, I was expecting some of the groupies you talk about to have bought a couple of spare pairs of knickers, Tom Jones-esque, and throwing their knickers at John Non Jovi on the stage. But uh, he'd have I didn't taken see them before. Guy. He turned up about forty minutes late, didn't he? he fucking didn't kept the crowd waiting, wasn't he? Actually, yeah. thought he was the real deal. But um, and then he yeah, got an encore going. Which it was were uh, it was an all right, uh, all right little shindig, I thought. But let's uh, move on to discuss the real po- uh, point of this podcast and some MMA, shall we? Yeah, we wasted like six minutes talking about non-Jovi then. Um, yeah, and Garnu's finally found a home. Um, one of the strangest players. I don't think either of us would have called him going to the PFL, but he has signed for the PFL um, and he's essentially said he's not going to be fighting this year. He's going to be fighting next year, most likely. This year, he's going to have a, a boxing match instead. Um, what's the and you can go into this a bit more, what's the additional benefits to this role? So what what's he getting out of the PFL? So, I mean, how it would sit, I mean, if you go the traditional and maybe kind of mainstream view of, you've got UFC top, one would be, I would say personally, that the next biggest promotion. After that, you're looking at Bellator or PFL, probably vying for third or fourth. Clearly the other, UFC bounced him. One had come out and said, now nah, we're not paying him that. I don't, Bellator are hemorrhaging money, so I don't think they could afford him. So I'll be honest, I thought PFL was probably the only place he was probably left to go. But I mean, credit to him. So in terms of what he's done, he's signed, he's got equity in the company. So he's got himself a share of the uh, PFL. He's got himself what they're terming as a leadership role, in inverted commas. And he's also been now named as the chairman of PFL Africa. So basically... He's his role there is about as genuine and legit as Jake Paul's head of fighter, whatever the fuck he's called. So they've just given him a title there. Um, and the the strangest one for me, which I personally I think is incredibly honourable, if not bizarre, 
is he negotiated the fact that anyone who fought him is get will get a guaranteed purse of two million pounds. And I'll be honest, I think that's probably because I think I sent you and I'll run through them in a second. I've got the current list of PFL heavyweights. That's going to be a public execution for any of them. So they need two million to end up with brain damage because the quality of people he's going to be fighting is simply ridiculous compared to uh, the UFC or even one where he could take on some some well-known names. Would you take on Nganu for £2 million? Yes. I'd, I'd let I would clearly get brain, brain damage, damage but I'd be done <laughs> in and out. I, I was going to say, I, and fair play to him, but do you want me to run through a couple of you? So I've got, I've got the roster here for you. Go on. So um, Denis Goltsov, the Russian Bogotar is his nickname. <laughs> MMA record of 30, 30 and 7. Never heard of him. And again, I think we, we would say that I'm... Certainly not if you I've not heard of you doesn't mean that you're not a big MMA name, but I would like to put my MMA knowledge in a rounded with most people. We've got anti Delager, walking trouble, 23 and five. <laughs> Never heard of him. We've got two Brazilians that are now both out of the season because of failed drugs test. We've got Rainan Problema Ferreira. A record of nine and four. We've got Matthias Scheffel, known as Buffer, 17 and nine. Uh, we've got Maurice Green, a, 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 a professional record of 11 wins and seven losses. I mean, what the fuck? The only person I'd even heard of on their whole roster was a guy called Yogan de Castro, the mad titan who was had a very small stint in the UFC. He has a professional record of nine and four. So yeah, Mad, Mad Titan's a badass nickname. I like that. Uh, I mean, well, the only other one, if you're talking about, I don't know where he's got this one from. There is also Denzel Freeman, whose nickname is Batman. <laughs> uh, he has a stellar professional record of a four and zero. You've also got, it sounds like they've been stealing uh, or trying to sign up people from Marvel. You've got Jordan Hedeman, nickname Thor, professional record of six and zero. So who the fuck is Francis Ngannou going to fight? He could fight their whole roster in a night without breaking a sweat. What were the second one? What were the second one's nickname? Were the Walk in Trouble? Uh, it was uh, Walk in Trouble. Looks yeah, like he, he's, he's the man. He is the man. He is going to spark out. On paper, he's got the best record. On paper, he's got the best record to, to, to test him, but he's going to smash people. Now, the only thing that I did think is probably likely to happen here is you'll correct me if I'm wrong because this is in your wheelhouse because it's to do with that wanker Jake Paul. Wasn't Jake Paul signing for the PFL for this? Now, I can't remember the exact, was it Super Fight Division? Which was basically, is that right? Is that what they called it? And that's what they said he will fight in. So I have no doubt that what they will need to do is sign some big names, probably former UFC or try and say for him to fight, but he is going to run through. He could fight two or three of them at, at the same time and still win. If you ask me. So what, but you look at that though, so that you go back to 2 million pound guaranteed purse. Is that, are we looking at it the wrong way? Is that not for people to fight him who are currently in the PFL? Is that to entice other people from different, um, walks of, of MMA to come in and fight him. 
It's a great shout, and that's very much what I feel like it must be, and what you, it wouldn't surprise me in terms of at least trying to better one that better names because the PFL at the moment don't do pay per view, and part of the Jake Paul stuff was they're going to start this super fight was going to be on pay per view. But I would suspect if I was a betting man, they would pick off a few of the elderly statesmen in the UFC, probably fighting at two hundred five, who make big cuts and put them up in heavyweight which is completely unfair because they'll probably walking around at 2.20, 2.30, and then they're taking on the monster of Francis Ngannou at £265. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. I mean, the man's got paid. You, you you can't hate him. Again, if we look at the the Jake Paul analogy, don't hate the player, hate the game. I just feel he's accepted money over any competitive desires whatsoever. Question he's fighting for clowns. I agree. Question for you, though. Are we of the mindset, and we're going on a little bit of a tangent, but just stick with me here. Are we of the mindset that John Jones is going to have maybe one or two more fights in the UFC? It depends on who you ask. A lot of people that I've read have say that he wants Stipe and Dunn. He wants Stipe because on on paper, Stipe is the greatest ever UFC heavyweight. And what I mean by on paper is he has the most title defences at three. So I I think you'd probably struggle for most people to say he's the best heavyweight ever, but on paper, he's got the best run. John Jones clearly wants to beat him. And if he did did beat him, he that that kind of MMA maths of beating the greatest would make you the greatest. That would give him one title defence. My own view is John Jones has not got many miles, as I've said plenty of times before on, on the podcast, on the clock because of his out of cage discretions and times he's had off. If I were him and I'm his manager... I'm saying let's have a proper year, 18 months, three fights. You can that way he would then be able to beat that record and defend it, let's say, four times. He can defend the title four times. He instantly, surely, by anyone's logic, would become the greatest of all time. Undisputed. He's got the great the longest light heavyweight title record, stepped up the heavyweight, and then beats that. Even GSP, even undefeated Khabib can't fuck with that in terms of a record. Okay, so bearing that in mind, and bearing in mind the fact that I think the reported um, purse that he got from the previous fight um, was, I think it was about three mil, three million dollars off the top of my head. Could we see, and bear with me here again, could we see him have one more fight? And then go to the PFL for this super fight in a super... No, because he signed before his last fight a six-fight deal. And the UFC are uh, watertight with their contracts. So even if he retires, that won't break that deal. If he was to sign with someone else, he'd have to get released from that contract by the UFC. Can you see Dana letting him out of a fight to fight against uh, Nganu, who he really clearly dislikes? So I would say the chances of that are about as likely as Ngannou getting re-signed by the UFC. So in my view, not a chance that happens. I think he's done with it. He's got to stay with the UFC. The really interesting one for me, and the one that to me would cement his legacy because of the frightening way that he's making his way up at the moment, is Pavlovich. And I would never say... Everybody knows my feelings on John Jones, how much I respect him, how much I always go on about him being the greatest... I'll be honest with you, there feels a little bit of him trying to avoid Pavlovich 
in the same way that Tyson Fury is clearly trying to dodge Usyk. And I get the feeling. I just wonder if Jones is of the view, I'm aging a bit. Can I take that? I take the one and done. I'm All right, he's got the decision loss. I'm effectively undefeated. He'll still go down as one of the greatest. But that's the... That's the most dangerous. Every other heavyweight, I see him running through in the UFC, Jones. I wouldn't say that he wouldn't run through Pavlovich, but Pavlovich has the power and the weight and size to worry John Jones, would be my view. You mentioned Tyson Fury there. So one of the things that Ngannou has said with this deal with the PFL, um, and obviously, as we said, is expected to fight in 2024, he is expecting to take up a a boxing match this year. Now, we won't go too much into boxing because obviously we'll come on to that a little bit later in the show. But in terms of Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury has been saying that he's looking for an opponent. He's been doing his whole typical, probably getting pissed on a Friday night and posting loads of Instagram videos saying, you know, someone's a rabbit, someone's a, a dosser, someone's a bum, blah, 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 call everyone out. He's said that Usyk is running. We know that's not the case. He said that uh, AJ is running all this list of people that he said they don't want it anymore. And Garnu comes out, tweets him, says, let's get on. Could you see that happening this year? Yeah, if he wants some easy money. I mean, let's be fair. I think Fury, as much as he's, he's, he feels like he's ducking Usyk and that's the fight everyone wants to see, he'd smash Ngannou. I don't feel that would even be a particularly fair fight. You know, Ngannou is not a boxer. He's an, a frighteningly powerful MMA fighter. Um I love Tyson, but he crossed the line this week with me with messing with my man Joe Rogan, calling out Rogan. That that's we're into a whole new territory now. That like Tyson, you can't be. I mean, what you're calling out now a UFC commentator who's 55, who made a quote about him saying how good he was at boxing, but said if he got locked in a room, effectively John Jones would beat the living fuck out of him, which which he would is a hundred percent true. This is in a yeah. street fight. John Jones beats him all day, every day, probably of one hand behind his back. Look what he did to Leo and Machida. That's what happens to Tyson Fury. Gets choked out and just dropped in a heap. And if he doesn't think that would happen, he's a fucking idiot. But he is a fucking idiot, isn't he? So, you know, that's his I mind. I, what, I mean, Rogan, given how much shit it seems to have, one, it was about two months ago, at least six weeks ago, the comments. So I don't know why it's suddenly come up now, but... He was actually, he wasn't rinsing Fury at all. He was relatively respectful in saying, if that's a boxing fight, Tyson Fury wins all day, which he would. If it's a street fight or under MMA rules, John wins every day. That's their respective sports. I don't understand why what he said is remotely controversial, if I'm perfectly no, honest. It, it, just, it would work for just about every sport. Obviously, it's a little bit easier to say that in terms of combat sports. But if you put you know, Andy Murray in his prime, playing up front for Arsenal, he's not going to score many goals, is he? And exactly. Such, such, but so. the two different sports, again, that they might be on a closer continuum because they're combat sports, a completely different rule set. Yeah. Um, and the moment that John Jones will get his hands on Fury, um, good night. I would say text him down. It's all over, isn't it? Um, can fucking start sw- singing Sweet Caroline all he wants, but he's getting choked the fuck out by fucking John Jones in a, less than a minute. He, which I would one leg kick, moves to take his back, it's done. And one video I did see is, I'll try and find it for the viewers, but did anyone see Tyson Fury? This came out, I'd seen people kind of on the haters jumping on it. He was actually grappling and with a tiny man. This is like a a man that looks like half his size. The guy gets him on the back and chokes him out. And it's like, if this random, probably nobody does that to you, 
imagine what the greatest of all time is going to do to you. I mean, Khabib would fuck up Tyson Fury on the floor. You could easily. go through quite a few of them, couldn't you? Of uh, fighters at lesser weights that will be able to do it because, like, easily. Say, it's a completely different sport. It don't don't work. The whole point as well of jujitsu as... as well, particularly jujitsu, is it's not about size. It's about leverage and skill. You know, he could easily get choked out by a, you know, one thirty-five might be pushing it on the light side, but maybe like a one. Easily a, a one fifty five or a one seventy. They managed to get him on the floor and take him on his back. He's never dealt with anything like that, even though the fact he's got a massive weight advantage. So, um, I mean, I just I think he's bored. He's he's looking for an easy fight. He knows that Usyk would would fuck him up, and he's starting to bore the shit out of me. If I'm honest, and I was always a very big Tyson Fury fan, but every video he posts makes me dislike him even more. Yeah. Um, let's not waste any more further time on Fury. As I say, we'll probably get onto a little bit later in the show anyway. But um, just final bit on Garnu. Any other people that you could see in boxing? So if you didn't fight Fury, is there anyone like Chisora, for example? I still think you're, that? but that was you called that very, you know, months ago when all this first broke. I, I still think that would be the sensible one. Big Derek gets a nice payday. He's got a monster chin. We know he can take a punch. Probably gives Ngarnu the chance to light him up and maybe you know, look good in the process. I think that would be a very um, possible fight. Um, I'll be honest with you, given his last outing and how bad he looked, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against Ngarnu, against Joe Joyce either. And I think Joe Joyce, again, he walked forward, he takes a hit to try and give a hit. And you can't do that with someone, even with the, the you know, eight, 12-ounce gloves that in boxing um, Ngarnu would have. But I could see, though, he's not going to fight one of the big four, is he? That that I personally don't see happening in terms of the, the big four we've talked about. Uh, Wilder, Fury. AJ, Fury, or um, who's I, the other I one? Could, I could see him uh, fighting Fury. Usyk is the other one. But I could see him fighting Usyk. Fury. Mm. Definitely. It's a big payday, isn't it? It's a payday. Yeah. I just wonder that's where that's getting now. put on. When you've got the Saudis trying to put together this super tournament and all that talk. It's in December, films. though, isn't it? So he's got the entire summer to do that. And he's going to have another fight, is, is Fury. He was talking um, yesterday about fighting in Australia and all this nonsense, but because I think he's going over with uh, Joe Parker. I think Joe Parker's fighting in Australia. Um, and he's, he's saying he's scouting out venues because he really wants to fight in Australia and all this nonsense. But he's got, well, I, I would be shocked if he doesn't have a summer fight this year, Fury. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I think if you're in Ghana and you're trying to be sensible, you try and get a lesser, you know, top 10 heavyweight, someone with some name value that people will tune in for. But if Ngarni is going to do this and wants to do it again to make more money and build that hype in the PFO as well, he needs to be sparking somebody out, doesn't he? So I, yeah. I, I still think you called it bang on. If I, if, if I, had, if I was a betting man, I think Chizora would be the, would be the one. Uh, one big announcement that, I know you probably were sad not to be able to get to speak about uh, earlier than this. UFC 291's cards was announced and we've got Poirier and Gadget for your favourite title. The BMF is back, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, I was, uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, still one thing interesting. I mean, I think that's a good fight for it. Both, I think you could, uh, Gagey 100% all day, every day is a bad motherfucker and deserves to be in that fight. Poirier, I can certainly see it. I think there could have been other people that you could have put in that. But the one thing that does seem slightly strange about this one is still no word from Jorge. I know he's retired now and the UFC have obviously said, right, we're taking that off you. 
But I wondered whether he might have at least come out, chimed up a bit, said, I'm pissed off they've taken it off me or something like that. But he's been very suspiciously quiet almost uh, about it in terms of um, comments. I'm going to probably upset you here. Is it because it's a meaningless title and no one gives a fuck about it? Who, I di- totally disagree. Who the fuck doesn't <laughs> want to be called the baddest motherfucker? Like That is a, it is a meaningless title in that way, but to fight as that means something, I would say. I'd, I'd take that rather than being the lightweight champion. That, that's no, the you one wouldn't. That really matters. That's no, the one you that wouldn't. Matters. But obviously, it's a rematch of a fight that's already happened. Poirier won. I think we actually even discussed this on one of the Bonners. Um, you know, Gagey was looking pretty good for three rounds. Right at the start of the fourth round, Poirier came out, sparked him out. Um, so very interesting to see that. Um, also announced, I think we can't sleep on this, is the uh, uh, Tang, another of my favourite fighters that I often rave about, debut at 2.05, uh, fighting um, Blahovic. I had to look up how to pronounce that because uh, I think I've said it like four times in these episodes and I'm pretty sure I've got it wrong every single time. I always but... get it wrong, but I think that's right. But it uh, is. Jan Blahovic, yeah. um, not a monstrous 205 guy. Obviously, he's the guy that originally beat Adesanya when Adesanya was getting too big for his boots and said he wanted to move up to 205 for the title. Uh, Blahovic had it and beat him. And Blahovic actually was trying to campaign to fight Adesanya down at 185, which tells me he can cut the weight to drop down. So, but that is, he, obviously his nickname is the Polish power. That man can crack. That is going to be, that's got, I mean, Gagey Poirier has probably got fight of the night written all over it. That'll be, that'll, that, that will come close to it. That will, there'll be fireworks in that fight. Great card. Those two fights alone, probably best card of the year so far. Uh, that's in uh, July, July 29th. Yep, I think it might. If it's not International Fight Week, it's later on in the month. But um, you are interested. Super interested for that one. That will definitely be a get up for it to watch those two fights for me, for sure. Just looking now, so we're seven hours ahead of, um, is it Utah? It is Utah, isn't it, rather than Utah? Definitely. Who the fuck has ever thought it's Utah? (laughs) Fucking hell, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's Utah. Just checking. I didn't realise that I thought, Utah might be more my geog- American geography is not great. I thought that might be more East Coast, so less behind than because seven hours is Vegas sort of time delay. You got the East Coast, you've only got four hours, but it was obviously further west than my it's mountain mem- time. It says as right. opposed to Pacific time, which is uh, uh, Nevada. But yeah, it says it's seven hours or west, seven hours ahead of them. So currently it is one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday over there. So that's definitely still worth getting up for that one, though, for sure. But definitely just for, just for the main event. Yeah, just, at, at least. Those two. I can't, I mean, I, I say I love Per Tang. I mean, I, I, I've raved about him uh, before. So, uh, but those two, I think there might be a couple of other pretty decent fights announced, but I haven't got them in, in my notes. And we'll, we'll cover it when we get close to it anyway. I was say we're well over uh, two months away from that. But... Um, he was at the Katie Taylor fight, so he's generating a bit more publicity. Uh, Mr. McGregor. Um, Wasn't he fight. seen? I saw a little picture of him with that super hot blonde boxer that has the OnlyFans. You see that photo of servicing and wondering what his missus thinks about that one? I mean, I, I don't want to talk about McGregor's private life again because last time we did that, things got a bit ropey, didn't they? But um, 
Yeah, so he, him and Chandler, um, you would expect that that's going to be announced soon. Well, it hasn't been. And last week he teased via Twitter or social media, however he does it, that uh, a fight announcement was coming soon and we still wait with bated breath. So there is, I think the season is just about or this week due to start airing. So maybe they're trying to coincide it with the start of that or something, uh, uh, you know, from a marketing perspective in that way. Um, but I, I mean, again, if they're going to go for it, I mean, it won't be on two, 291 because they've announced the co-main and the main, but that's going to be a main event all day. But 292, 293, something in that magnitude, I would think is in the offing, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, what day are we on? Uh, are we it is on... the 22nd of May. We've just had 288 was the last one. 289 is coming up. I think that's Nunez versus the stand-in that she's fighting. And that might be in a couple of weeks, is it? Um, yes. I'm just looking at, you probably heard it in background then, me playing a video um, accidentally. Apologies. But yeah, I'm just looking at the date. It does say it's the 30th of May. It's on ESPN is the ultimate fighter. So it's this weekend, isn't it? Twenty second next, next weekend. Week, next week. Next Monday. Um, yeah, as I said, they do it in the week. No. It's on during the week. But um Tuesday. One thing I did say just while we're talking about, I don't know if you I, I think I said to you started to watch this. Did you have you watched any because it dropped last week? Uh McGregor Forever. Is this the Netflix show? The Netflix one, yeah. No, I keep seeing it advertised and I was tempted by it, but I'm not sure. I'm chewing a bit in. I thought I've got it. Again, I, I love me some Connor. Um Quite good, quite interesting. Follows each episode seems to be broken down sort of in towards time periods. So the first episode was based around the Khabib fight and showed all of the sort of build up to um, what was going on. Uh, you know, when he threw the dolly, when he lost to Khabib, it showed him having a pretty nasty ankle injury during training. And there's a bit there where he's like, I think it's broken, I think it's dislocated. And, um, his doctor or coach or someone just pops it back in and then he's fine. Oh. That was quite interesting to watch. Oh, lovely. But he says that he knew his ankle. It also covers the surgery, kind of doesn't show you the first Poirier fight, but shows you the recovery after that. And quite strangely, he actually says, I knew my ankle was suspect before he went into the fight. So that was quite interesting it, because of this, whatever happened. And then he ended up breaking his leg. The second episode I watched is focused on then like his return. So that's basically the Cowboy Cerrone fight where he just demolished Cerrone in 40 seconds and the build up for that. And I just started the third episode, which seems to be building to the first Poirier fight. But just quite good. Gives you a little bit of background about him. Shows you trying to show him a bit as the, the family man playing with his kids and things like that. But yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Definitely, you know, um, if you like MMA, seeing all the different aspects of it, the training, the coaching, the mental side of it, how draining it is, even for someone like him that seems to deal with that so well. But definitely worth a watch, I would say. I'm, I'm not sure how many episodes there are. It's four or five, but yeah, I'm just on to the third episode. I do like sports documentaries like that. I mean, there's been a few of recent years, aren't there? There's ones with um, like all or nothing with the football side of things. There was... Um, Last Dance is the one for me. I mean, yeah, I've never I'm got into say. the football ones. I know you're big on them and you told me to watch them and some of the Sunderland one. Never been interested as much as I love footy. Last Dance is one of the, be the best documentary series I've ever seen. It's amazing about Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Again, people know that 
Jordan's my hero and, and, and talked about him. The Tyson and Bruno one is also very good uh, as well. But yeah, definitely worth the watch if you get a few hours. But each episode is about 50 minutes. So it's not short viewing. And if I think there's either th- at least four, if not five episodes, that's so a fair investment of time. I'll watch that. I'll make an agreement. I'll watch that if you watch the Sunderland Till I Die one, because that that is honestly some of the best TV I've ever watched. It's absolutely ludicrous how that club were run. And I think the first season, especially the second season's good, but the first season were very good. Um, and then I think there's a third season as well, but I don't remember it as much. But yeah, I'll, I'll make a deal where you watch that and I'll watch that. Look at my face. Yeah, I'll definitely watch that. Um, just play along, pretend, uh, pretend with yeah, the people okay. listening. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we're obviously, you know, what, what I had a, a former client who was a Sunderland fan, so shout out to Gav. Um, so maybe it's worth a, worth a watch. But if you say it's that good, um, yeah, honestly, then it's different. I might level. stick a couple on, is it? Um, just to see. Uh, and then you can then watch the Connor one and report back. Yeah, and I'll watch Last Dance just for you, just for you, Ian. I'll watch that. That's the one you've got to watch. That is. I mean, it, no one can watch that, even if you're not remotely interested in basketball. The personas in it, what Jordan's like, just as the most competitive person you will ever see. I mean, you watch, see him playing like tiddlywinks, basically an equivalent of flipping a coin close to a wall with a security guard and being livid when he loses. Like, you've never seen anyone so competitive in your whole life than Michael Jordan. It's, it, honestly, it's Other brilliant. than you. Even if even if you're not interested in in basketball, which I know you're not, I was as as a, as a kid, and Jordan's my hero. But honestly, it, 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 you'd watch one and you'd be like, "That's some compelling shit." I'll carry on. But yeah, give that a go. Um, fight night. Then finally on uh, MMA. Did you watch any of it? Because I didn't. Uh, I wasn't really one that piqued my interest, even as a as a diehard fan. If I'm honest, I watched the uh, main fight, Mackenzie Dern. Uh, pretty highly rated prospect, incredible at jiu-jitsu uh, and won by a, a unanimous decision, but had a, a pretty good fight. And I saw she was awarded her sort of third, I can't remember the exact title, which is bad of me in jiu-jitsu, but like the third Dan of her black belt as a result. So she may be the most decorated female jiu-jitsu uh practitioner in the world would be my guess i can't imagine there's many other women reaching that level i mean there's not that many men to be honest with you there's probably talking it's usually referred to once you go black belt you get a coral belt and there's so i think the last time i'd looked there was something like seven or eight coral belts in the whole world most of them with the surname gracie so um she is ridiculously good at jiu-jitsu couldn't you just buy one uh yeah yeah i'm trying to think if there's a a twitter you should watch which is basically where people do shit like that they walk into gyms pretending to be black belts and then someone (laughs) fucking smashes them because they're trying to be cocky so you it would if if you've never done jujitsu to put a coral belt on and walk into a gym would be basically like suicide what's the so just having a quick look through is first dan the best and 10th dan the worst well, no, worse, other way, other tenth way goes up, up from, um, so first Dan is the lowest, tenth is the highest. Is it Sandan? It sounds. I'm just, I'm looking through pronunciation. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how it works, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, ten's higher than one, so you'd take a wild stab that that would be better, but, you know, never mind. Maybe you've lost your common sense for a moment because <laughs> you, you're, you're mid-Googling. But, um, I'm just reading yeah. through it, just 
This is like mean, coral belts are ridiculous. Like as you said, last time I looked, it was something like eight in the world, but it is usually it's like white and red. The belt it's like a white belt, but with red stripes, and that's the only belt you can get higher than a black. But um, I'd rather have the is... classic um, winged eagle WWE belt or WWF belt and what around like fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin. So there you go. I didn't even know this, but I've just Googled this now. I don't know if this is correct or not, but this is on BJJ Heroes, which is a pretty good website. A coral belt is a seventh degree belt awarded to jiu-jitsu masters who've been active black belts for 30 years. So you, you are being seriously old when you get one of those and that shit just does not get given out um you know willy-nilly so that is crazy level of dedication to the to the the sport to get a coral belt oh so you get like a little so every dan quote-unquote is like a little mark on your black belt so like yes and when i did jiu-jitsu i did gracie jiu-jitsu you went basically white and then you went one two three four stripes blue one two three four Purple, one, two, three, four, brown, black. Um, but yeah, I mean, most, I think the quickest ever black belt in history was former UFC prodigy, the, the prodigy BJ Penn, who did it in three years. Most normal people, if you can't, even if you can train every day, you're probably looking at seven, eight, nine years to get a black belt. That is incredible dedication. They do not just hand that shit out like smarties, like participation badges at sports days these days and shit like that, you need to have some serious dedication to get a black belt in jiu-jitsu. Is your first dance better than 10th dan? Yeah. We're definitely positive about that. I would bet my mortgage on it. Because like, I'm just looking through ITF Taekwondo and it says first to third dan. That's because you're talking about Taekwondo. I'm talking but about jiu-jitsu. But, no, but I'm just looking here. It says first to third dan and national instructors. And then as it's going up, it's like, the ninth Dan are considered to be grand masters. I'd rather be a grand master than a national instructor. I can't speak for Taekwondo, but jiu-jitsu it is definitely that way. And as far as I'm aware, most other belts, I did judo as a kid. Judo was the same. First Dan, second Dan, third Dan and up. Taekwondo could be an anomaly, but um, definitely with jiu-jitsu. I swear to God, you better not have got this wrong. So I look this up afterwards and we get like assaulted by someone who's saying that we're getting it all wrong. All right, I'm a white belt four stripes from, from a few <laughs> years ago. I can fuck up a few other people. Um, so it must be okay. What is a coral belt? It's a group of belts that make up the seventh and eighth black belt rands, some of those most prestigious ranks other than the ninth degree red belt. But so, surely you're getting the stripes on your belt. Surely you get more stripes as you go from first to tenth. Yeah. So one is the first, then two, then three, then four. So 10 yeah, is the but... higher than one. Yeah, exactly. But that's what I just said to you. You just I flipped said... what you round. You no, just I what you just said. <laughs> no, I said it's 10th better than the first. And you said no, because t- first is better than the 10th. That's not what I said. I said well, 10's clearly, I said 10 is higher than one. That's clearly how it goes in the, following the logical order. Oh, you said it I'm the other way this. around. I'm being gaslighted live on area, like... Listen to it back when you've had it. You tried to suggest it was the other way around. I said clearly <laughs> 10 is better than one, as the logical sense would be, would make out. I feel like I'm just going to gloss over that bit now. <laughs> but let's move on, um, seeing as you've just made yourself look like a clown. Do we have to talk about football this week? No, 
don't think either of us were really <laughs> want to talk about it. Do Should we just skip over it? I mean, your 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 weekend's probably been worse than mine. To be fair, I'm sure you'd kill for qualifying for the mundane Thursday nights of the Europa League, uh, as opposed to potential relegation to the the Championship. But it, it's not potential anymore. Let's just let's quickly just uh, allow me to rant for just a second. Leads are down, so it, it was pretty much set in stone after the loss to Bournemouth. So there were two must-win games against Leicester and Bournemouth. Had we have won both those games, I think that we would have stayed up. Um, a really weird point that a lot of people are saying, I think at the point of the Crystal Palace game, so when Leeds played Crystal Palace, they were obviously beating Crystal Palace up until I think about 43rd minute, something like that. At that point in time, when they were beating Crystal Palace, they had 32 points. Now, I can't remember how many matches it is since. I think it's like one, two, let's have a quick check. Three, four, five, six, seven. Seven games on from us being on 32 points when we were beating Crystal Palace. We now only have 31 points <laughs> in that entire time. So it's it's gone drastically wrong. And it's a calamity of errors for Leeds in general. I think the ownership has been garbage. Director of football has been garbage. It's all been rudderless and it's full of players who just don't have the spirit or the heart to get out of a relegation battle. And to be honest, uh, we were talking today. I'm at the point, I'd made peace with it after Bournemouth. I was very upset at that. And then obviously that whole delusional, I'm going to be positive every single week came as people that listen to this (laughs) podcast quite regularly uh, would have heard. But because I've made peace with it, it's not anywhere near as it's not affecting me anywhere near as much as it, it possibly would have done. Uh, obviously, no one likes to be relegated, but I'm at the point where it, it's not enjoyable for people who support teams like where Leeds are at the moment, just sitting and watching your team win seven times a season and then get absolutely paggered by teams who have you know billion pound. Um, wage bills and all this nonsense. You look at Man City. Man City is ridiculous. Um, essentially buying the league every season now, and you've got your top four who run away with it, and none of that's enjoyable. I'd much rather at this point in time where we are go back into the championship, which looks to be very very likely, and then challenge for winning some and try and hopefully, obviously, come straight back up. At least get in the playoffs, have an exciting season, then just get. Oh, I'm going. I'm going well and road basically every other week. To watch my team get bummed, it's, it's not, it's not enjoyable, is it? I mean, I still, I don't know whether you are just being the ultimate realist and accepting it, but I mean, let's let's be, it's not done yet. There is still a chance. They, can, you know, Leicester. I don't, I think is just about twenty minutes in, so I don't know what the score is there. We obviously need a the drawing, new, yeah, the Newcastle drawing, win, and if they both lose on the last day and you win, it is still possible. So you never know that, that from the peak of misery that you sound like now, you could hit the adulation, but you're up against it. I think it's I'm fair saying, to say. I'm, I'm telling you, there isn't one Leeds fan who doesn't agree with me here. Anyone listen to this, unless they're kidding themselves, to be honest. I think every Leeds fan has, had accepted that they were just about going down a few weeks ago. And I think every Leeds fan has probably accepted that it's, it's over at this point. And, it's never good to be relegated, but as I say, it, it's not the end of the world. The finances are significantly better than they were when we got relegated uh, from the Premier League uh, around 20 years ago. And 
we're at a point now where we we might be in a position to come straight back. You look at Radrizani, the little rat um, running from the sinking ship, going to buy Sampdoria. He's clearly not interested. I would expect forty nine running to... from a sinking ship to an yeah. already sunk ship. That yeah, seems exactly. Really sensible, doesn't it? And they, they've got, I think that uh, takeover, so the Sampdoria one, again, without going on to tangent, has to be completed quite swiftly because I think if, again, I don't profess to know too much about how Italian football works or where they are in terms of the finances, but I'm pretty sure there's a set deadline that if the takeover isn't done and if the debts aren't paid off, they'll start at the bottom of the pyramid. So Yeah, they're quite harsh. And again, yeah. or, or I don't know if this is... You might certainly know more than me there, whether it would start at the bottom of the pyramid or they would start in Serie B, which they've now been relegated to, but with a massive points deduction, which basically then guarantees they'll go straight into Serie C anyway. So I think it's I, Serie I, D. I, I think I'm pretty sure that they get put straight to Serie D. Is it? Is I mean, not that's Palmer, pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who did it? Who it was? It was. Who did you just say? So it's happened before, hasn't Palmer? it? And someone basically, yeah, Palmer. That's right. Palmer went down and then rose all the way back through the pyramid to get to Serie A, only to end up getting relegated again. But um, I mean, again, it's never nice to see because you know Sampdoria are a pretty big team. I remember as we were talking a couple of weeks ago on Football Gazetta Italia when they had the days of Veron racing around the pitch with his socks down and his shin pads out, Gianluca Viali. You know, they've had some decent players over the years, Sampdoria, and are uh, a relative mainstay of Serie A, certainly in the majority, a bit like a, maybe an Everton would be or something like that. But um, you don't wish Radrizani on anyone, do you, in terms of an owner? Not, not as he's been. I think it's a really big fall from grace. So he obviously... For all the faults, you can't argue against the fact that him and, and Victor Orta brought Bielsa into the club. That's probably the, the greatest and one of the few decisions that they got right. And it propelled Leeds into uh, where they were, obviously finishing ninth in the Premier League. To get from where they finished in that first season um, to go to where they are now, you can't say that it's been anything but catastrophic. They, they obviously should have probably got relegated last season will get relegated this season. And we're also at a position where the disconnect between the fans and the players and the club, it, it couldn't have been any bigger. It's the biggest it's been for about five years. Uh, we're talking back from when Chilina were there. I mean, as a neutral, I just hope that Leeds, you know, should, even if some of the bigger players you go, if they can try and get as big a value as possible to have a bit of a war chest, they've got what I would consider a relatively solid spine of players that you could build on a, a winning championship team. As much as I slag off Ailing all the time, he might he may not be a Premier League right back, but he's a pretty good championship right back. Cooper, no, you're not his biggest fan. Again, Ugh. pretty solid championship um, player. Robles would do your job in the championship in goal. There are some players there that you could build the team around. They've got, you know, some of those players, if they can keep a hold of, I mean, the one that I can't imagine anyone would be trying to snap your hand off for would be someone like Ruta, but could be amazing. in Best the... January transfer window signing of all time. One of the best calls you've ever made, that one, out there with all of your boxing results. But someone <laughs> like, all joking aside, if they can keep him, you would imagine he would run riot against defences in the, in the championship. You know, Woba, if they could keep a hold of someone like him as well. He is would be an out of doubt the best centre-back or left-back in, in that league. So 
if they can keep some of that spine of the team, I mean, I think it, from my point of view, don't know if you agree, Melier's gone. If you can maximise yeah. the amount of money on him, I think it would be a real shame. But I think Tyler Adams goes, which has been yeah. a shame because he's been really good for you. McKenney's clearly not getting signed uh, permanently, so he's gone. Yeah, I've got a feeling, you know, I could see you keeping Rodrigo. And I, I could actually see Rodrigo saying, I'll give you a year in the championship. And he would be sensational in that league. A goal machine. See, I saw, I, I would completely agree with you. I don't think he'll stay, um, just to clarify that. I think that he um, would be fantastic in the, the championship. I saw someone arguing today on Twitter that he wouldn't be able to do it in the championship because he's uh, not that type of player to be able to essentially you know, go up against the big Millwall defences. I, I can't see anyone... Um, successfully arguing that against me. I think, as you say, he would be an outstanding player. You put him and Rooter up front against, you know, you your... Keep big Willie. Plymouth. That's where it's at. I mean, again, if he... If, no, only at 19, if he can give you a year and we'll stay in that league, he would be Championship Player of the Year by a mile, Nonto. That, he's that's another the one, one for me. Yeah, he's another one that's going, definitely. You saw the links today to... What were it? Fiorentina and... Lazio, Lazio which yeah. he deserves better than that, if you ask me, from the glimpses he's shown. But... Purely on age, he doesn't seem like a bit of a scoundrel like some people at the moment. They go down with bounce. Um, he might give you a year. I don't know. Again, he's, he's probably signed a pretty lengthy contract. I suppose the factor that's unknown at the moment is has he got a relegation release clause or something like that in there, in which case it's out of Leeds' hands. But he seems a decent enough lad. The crowd love him. He's, he's a, a, a considerable fan favourite. I, I, I wonder if the new owners could convince him, look, give us a year. Can't get not up in a year, we'll let you go, even give us till January. You know, it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Someone, if you could keep, as you say, him and Rodrigo, keep that relatively solid core, but you've got that little sprinkling of magic in the championship, I think you cruise up. Well, not not everyone's going to be sold. And I think a lot of people, even <coughs> touch myself, because I'm quite pessimistic, as you'd probably guess about Leeds. Um, a lot of people will think, well, you know, Nonto, Melier, Adams, Sinistera, Rodrigo, um, Verber, etc., etc., all those are going to go. The realistic point is more, yes, probably Sinistera, probably Melier, probably um, Adams, and no, push Nonto, but you're not going to sell your full team. It, there's no logic in doing so. You look at uh, Watford, for example, obviously they had Jao Pedro, who we're almost certain to go to a Premier League club and end up staying and obviously picked up Look an injury. Saar. We talked about in the week we were talking them yeah. too. They, they managed to keep him. And the other thing that you do, you can sometimes get is Leeds have been relatively shrewd from a business perspective in certain the relegation release clauses. Someone like a Sinistera, for example, I'd say the sensible thing is if you can't convince him to stay, you loan him out for a year, but with no obligation to buy. He goes to play for some Premier League football or somewhere else on loan. Leeds goes straight up, bang, he's back and he's back in the team. So yeah. that's the other option that they've got is for some of these bigger players that may not want the rough and ready style of a championship, loan them out for a year, either put a very high price on them if they do well or no obligation to buy. Leeds go straight back. They can come back into the team. Sinistera would be a prime one that for that for me. I wouldn't want to sell him. Again, seems like a decent lad, not made of glass, admittedly. But, uh, it's a shame. But decent player. Loan him out. It screams someone like... Brighton, West Ham, loan him out for a year. You go up, you get him back. 
Yeah, and Adams. Th- Adams will be the same. I mean, I think Adams, more is, going. Adams, Adams has been is your, your amazing, you're probably a player of your season from what I've seen. And I think most people would be trying to bite your hand off for him, but he'd be another one. If you could loan him out for a year, see if you can go back and get him back in for when you're in the Premier League, that would be outstanding business. I mean, the main thing, the main takeaway, and we won't spend too much longer on Leeds, but the main takeaway being this time, it, it isn't necessarily a disaster. It's obviously upsetting and no Leeds fan wants to go down, but there are potential positives next season, depending on obviously what happens in summer. They have to sort the ownership out very quickly. They have to get a new director of football in and they have to get a new manager in. And it has to be done within a few weeks, in all honesty, after the season finishes. But there's reasons to be positive, is what I'm saying. Or there should be reasons to be positive next season. Yeah. And I mean, two final points I'll make on these before we move on to the rest of them is, one, the inconsiderate arseholes for our podcast next season. How dare they now mean that we've got teams in different leagues, which is the first thing. Secondly, and it can't be said without it because of the going, um, don't you owe me a tenner? Hey, yeah. but, oh, what's but, that noise? As a static. Oh, is that oh, Forrest no, winning, static. being above Leeds in the league, which I called at the start of the season and you said was ridiculous. Has that, has that come bastard. to fruition? Heartless back. So it's all about money to you, isn't it? Sat here. That whole tenner will pay for... <laughs> well, it'll pay for what? Two game games of pool. of pool now when we go out <laughs> at the current rate. But um, yeah, I, unlike me to be smug, I could not, not get that in, given that it was a bet at the start of the season. Never Thanks, looked man. like it was in doubt. Let's talk about something more cheery. Um, how's the Champions League looking for you? Uh, over. So Thursday <laughs> nights it is. Um especially when particularly uh, my notes, I'm going to read them here to you, that um, Liverpool edge closer to the Champions League. And then <laughs> it gets to the weekend and Villa fuck us. Man U and uh, Newcastle win earlier in the week when they did Brighton uh, and it's done and dusted for us. So we are condemned to Thursdays and the bullshit of the Europa League. A positive for you, you get that fucking catchy song on... BT, which will be TNT Sports by the time you're watching it, but you've heard that that the Thursday nights are Europa nights. You not heard that? Uh, just I've heard before. It brings back too many bad memories of my childhood of having to watch. It used to be. This shows you how dog shit it was when I was a kid. It was on Channel Five. It was Jonathan Pierce, who now somehow is a mainstream commentator. At that point, that was Channel 5 were the first to take a punt on him. And what he was famous for was this show is my age as well. But do you remember Robot Wars? Fucking love Robot Wars. These fucking geeks make fucking these little robots and shit. Jonathan Pierce was the commentator from that and somehow managed to get a football gig. And I, I might have told this story before, so apologies if anyone did. I'll never forget it. Watching a Liverpool match. Can't tell you who it was. Liverpool conceded an away goal and a timeless classic from Jonathan Pierce. His exact words to this day, it's just like at least 25 years ago, and I can remember it clear as day, the away goal kills people. <laughs> that was back when the away goals counted double. Liverpool conceded an away goal against somebody, and those were his exact words. Me and my mates were like, what the fuck is he talking about? But <laughs> we were like 14, 15, we'd go and watch it around one of my mates Garner's house, his old man was get us a few beers in. So we had three or four beers on a school night on a Thursday, watching Liverpool play Apollo Limassol and these kind of dog shit teams like that. So it is sadly going to go back to that. I might watch some uh, Robot Wars tonight. It was fucking Sergeant Slaughter and Matilda and what were the other one? I can't believe you can remember the name. Sir Killer Lock. Sir Killer Lock. Fucking <laughs> 
That might be, you've got some gimpy traits. That might be the gimpiest <laughs> one yet. Fuck off and watch Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I love Harry Potter. It's all on Netflix now, so I might do. Um, I'll, I've got to be smug because it's the only thing I can be smug about this this podcast and this episode. Deserve it. I did a deep dive on him in what may be our fourth, fifth episode saying I thought it were a fantastic appointment. Um, he is, other than Eddie Howe, but he is my manager of the season. He's not going to win manager of the season, but what he's done with that team to take over from where they were and the potential destability that would have been caused by uh, Potter leaving and the big heartbreak that that would have caused, I think he's done a fantastic job this season. Couldn't agree more. And I'd like to say that was more of a thought that was a, a wee deep dive rather than you taking all the credit um, there. I'm but, taking, um, you were being smug earlier on, so I'm taking What I would that. say is, there's no spoilers alert because we've got next week planned, uh, maybe a bank holiday Monday, maybe a bank holiday session Sunday, beers are out. So we'll do a bank holiday Monday and I think we do our own. We'll come up with a few um, categories. I think we should have, you know, team of the year, manager of the year, player of the year. We'll do a top three and we'll go through it then. But I totally agree with you. The only other one, finally, if we're going to move on with, with football, which I feel we were both always bang on the money here and we equally could be smug about, was that Arsenal would implode and throw the title away. And yeah. if there's anything to make me happy at this rather disappointing week, that's it, that they had just imploded. We called it all along. They managed to do it may last maybe 36 games longer than the season or 34 games longer than we thought they would. But as as inevitable as it always was, they were never going to be able to stay the course with City. And for a long time, they looked like they might be mugging us off and making us look like chumps. But the cream always rises to the top and we were right. Yeah, um, pretty much. I think we called it absolutely spot on. And I saw there were a video of Gary Neville that went viral as well, in which he was taking loads of slack from Arsenal fans around Christmas time. I think it was like one of these um, fan zone things where they just can ask questions and you've got like Arsenal fan TV abrating him and all this stuff. And he says, um, and as I say, it's been shared this week, he says, if they go in front of you at any point uh, towards the end of the season... I can see him winning the league by about 10 points because they will win, they will win, and they will win, and you'll keep slipping up, and eventually you'll be completely blown away. And then you look at the league now. Um, but yeah, we called We've, it. I mean, they, they, they made us doubt ourselves a couple of points because they did look like, I think they were eight points clear at one point, but City just have this... They're like a fucking race car with an extra gear, aren't they? That When they need it and it gets to March, April... They, no matter what, how poor they've been, however hit and miss, and you think, how on earth are they doing that when they've taken what is the best team in England and added the world's best striker, arguably, to it? They should be crushing it. But you get to March every season. They are immaculate in the running, and you just you just can't touch them. Um, so it was deserved. They've been the best team by a mile. They've got the best team by a mile. They should be champions, and I think they're going to do the treble, personally. I was going to say, that would be a final question on the football side of things. Do you see them doing the trouble? Are they going to win everything? Um, you, do you know what? As much as I hate to say this, if there's a more tricky game, I would say it's the FA Cup final against Man U than it is against Inter Milan. I could see them steamrolling Inter Milan. Don't think that'll be a problem in the Champions League. And that's clearly the one they'd want to win. Manchester Derby, you know, derbies are always a slightly iffy affair that things can change. There's... Uh, wild cards, if that's the right word in there, because of the, that sort of fact. So personally, 
I would say that the FA Cup final will be a tougher match for them than the Champions League final, in my opinion. I don't disagree. Um, it's the derby element, isn't it? And I think the reason that they lost against Chelsea in the Champions League final previously, it, it's I honestly think it's just because it's an English club. I think if they'd have played anyone else, he probably wouldn't have overthought things. He wouldn't have put Gundogan in that defensive midfield position and they probably would have won it comfortably. But yeah, and you missing about a big part there, which is they didn't have Haaland, which they do now. So, and um, you're missing that they didn't have Calvin Phillips. And obviously that guy is going to be a treble winner at the end of the season. Having that whole the 90 seconds when they bring him on to waste time when they're 3-0 up at the end that he gets so he can get a medal. But um, yeah, I, I don't see anyone stopping him. Um, and I, I think they'll win both those games. Might be a tighter, you know, 2-1, one, one goal in it against uh, Man United. Um, if they can beat, all right, it's at a neutral venue, but beating Real 4-0. Real have dropped off the face of a cliff uh, recently, to be fair, and Inter are quite a tight team, um, you know, winning um, home and away against Man uh, uh, Inter Milan, or AC Milan, sorry, even though it's at their own ground, is no mean feat. But I don't think they've got a, they've got a chance, if I'm honest with you. 3-0, 3-1, City in the, uh, in the Champions League final, I would say. You watched the uh, Loma and Haney fight because uh, it was pretty controversial. It was. I didn't get up for it as much as I really wanted to, given the magnitude of it. But um, I, di- I saw varying... Re- I think most people would say it was an undeserved decision to Haney on one side of the spectrum as far as all the way to a robbery. And I couldn't disagree. I thought it was close. I thought robbery might be a stretch, but I had Loma by at least two rounds. I thought he he outlanded him. I've got to start there for you, 124 shots to 110. And maybe Haney caught him a couple of times with maybe the two biggest shots of the fight. But I think that was not a great decision, personally. No, it was an awful decision. Um, the worst bit, if you saw Loma uh, afterwards, I think he brought it down in tears just because of it, it's one of those where he's like, well, I've no idea how um, any judges could have got. I think it, were there, it, it was in America, good, wasn't it? It's that classic yeah, it home. Was, is it in America? So Hayden's Unanimous, American. wasn't it? Um, you know, uh, yeah, we two, one judge gave it by one round. And I think two gave it by two or three. No, I think I two, right one score. gave it by two didn't there so 115 113 yeah one round i think that score was twice wasn't it and then one was one 16 112 yeah that's right which who the fuck is watching but i mean this is the problem with boxing and this is why i saw a couple of ufc fighters i can't remember their names tweeting saying this is exactly why no one watches boxing anymore because of these stupid decisions where they just go for the home fighter um and it's completely unjust and i mean loma for how good he is I mean, is that three professional losses he's had now? All three yeah. super controversial and probably shouldn't have been. Um, but well, how many how many times have we said that boxing is ruined by this? I, it's it's such a boring topic. I appreciate for us to keep going on about, but it just never changes. And it, until it changes, boxing can't be taken seriously. As silly as that sounds, that you get in fights like this that are just completely ruined. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. My hesitation there was. The best example and probably the, one of the most egregious I can think of was obviously the UFC we went to. And my boy, Leron, he <laughs> clearly lost that fight, didn't he? But what did I say to you after you like, he's lost, but he'll win because he's the home fighter 
and they would give it to him two to one, which is exactly what happened. Probably, and I haven't rewatched it since we went, he probably lost that fight 3 0. 2 1 easily, if not 3 0, and the judges gave it to him 2 1. So this is something that creeps in. Dem- Look at football. Home teams get the advantage. Look at the Man U. There's, again, looking for similarities. How many years was it that the scum went without having a penalty given at Old Trafford? It was something like 11 or 14 years they went. So there has always been in all sports, maybe not to the egregious level of boxing, but there is always this home team favouritism that creeps into sport as sadly as... And I think sometimes you just have to live with it and, and, and deal with it. But there's no doubt boxing is the absolute worst for it. But back to your point, I don't think it will ever change. And I think we are hoping for something that's unrealistic if we expect that will ever change. Well, I mean, we, again, we're talking a number of episodes ago, but we did a a look into that um, technology, which basically showed boxing punches landing and where they land and all that sort of stuff. And that's just gone completely quiet. Now, I appreciate, obviously, things like that and technology like that takes time to develop and takes time to implement. But there's literally no better time to start doing it than now. The amount of decisions that you're seeing that are egregious. You look at the Taylor fight a few um, years back or a couple of years ago, I think it was, maybe even last year, um, the Josh Taylor, all that sort of stuff that happened. Um, you've got this that's come forward and you're going to inevitably get this consistently. And it, American boxers are probably the worst for it in all of this there. And things like uh, Wilder Fury, I think if that had gone to points and he hadn't have been sparked out in the uh, the lap fights, I think you'd probably seen a Wilder win because of that's that's just how it goes these days. Um, but Completely agree, yeah. but don't you feel like boxing feels like one that they... Football, for all of its flaws... At least they embraced VAR. They've tried to take it forward. MMA feels the same. Boxing feels like it pushes back against the grain in that type of technology we're talking about more than ever because it knows it will expose these problems with it. So I always feel like boxing are a step behind it. They're like, no, we don't want that. That's going to, but this will make it fairer. We don't want it fairer. We like it bent. We like it crooked. We like like it it, traditional. Yeah. So I, I feel that them more than any sport, and I feel like, you know, that kind of top ring of promoters, you know, your Bob Arum, your fucking Eddie Hearns, your Don Kings, they kind of Shalom. got this slight sort of cabal, I can imagine, it, it, in a slightly sort of conspiratorial way that they just sit at the above there, to, uh, you know, this big sort of, you know, circuit of fucking rich pricks that just say, well, we don't want that because that might mean our fighters lose, We, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So... Um, I feel that they push back more than any other sport on this. And I think it will be a long time before we see that technology implemented, certainly in the big boxing fights, you know, promoted by top rank and, you know, the the, the likes of those level of promoters. The, the positive is that you would hope Haney will go on to fight Stevenson and Stevenson will take his head off. That's It's not even a close fight for me anymore. I mean, you've got to say Haney. I mean, obviously, he was the undisputed before this and he remains the undisputed. I didn't quite realise how impressive it was, but he was only 23 when he became undisputed lightweight champ. I did a bit of Googling. I couldn't sleep last night and my missus was moaning at me. So I got up weirdly after <laughs> spending about 15 minutes. This is at 12 o'clock last night. I couldn't find the list of the youngest undisputed champs in the world. I must have spent about half hour last night unable to sleep and thought, you know what? 23 is fucking impressive. That must be one of the youngest undisputed fighters ever. And I just couldn't fight, 
find that list or that detail whatsoever. So I don't know why that's hidden in the internet somewhere or my Googling skills were just atrocious at 12 o'clock in the morning. But there are only other two current undisputed champs. Can you name them? Uh, One is Canelo, but I can't name the other one. Correct. So Canelo is at super middleweight. Uh, Jermaine Charlo is the other at light middleweight. The only, they are the only oh, three course. undisputed across boxing at the moment. One 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 that I did find quite surprising was um, the most win. Take a one guess roughly in terms of a number of the most wins for a unified champ in unified fights ever. Uh, and who? I should know this, but uh, I don't. I don't know. Surprise me this one. Vladimir Kitschko at 15. 15 times he fought for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world, which given most people would not put him on their list of not even top five, top 10 great. I mean, he, he was around in a real love for the, the heavyweight decision for the undisputed. So he was undisputed for all that period of time. Was he? According to my research at 12 o'clock last night, he has the most yet 15 undisputed I thought, fights. I thought he was just unified. I didn't know he were undisputed. Sorry, I have written there. Most wins as a unified champ. You're right. I was going to say because I thought the other Klitschko held the title and they never fought. No, no, you're right. Unified. Sorry, as the most wins is unified. And in fact, in fact, we we, I've tripped myself up as well there because we've said before the last undisputed heavyweight champion was Lennox Lewis, who beat Klitschko. So uh, yeah, you're right. My own wording there. It's unified, but most uh, wins for a unified champ was Klitschko with 15. But good spot Uh, and good point. And Paul pulling me up, you little prick. <laughs> I'm allowed to be smug again this episode. Get in. Um, you catch any of Taylor and Cameron this weekend? Just gone? Uh, I did not. I was hungover like a motherfucker on Saturday from our little non Jovi session. So I didn't really catch much. But um, by all accounts, um, pretty comprehensive. It definitely was. I mean, it, it was a weird event because it was, as you probably saw with McGregor making quite a big thing of it, it was heavily Irish. I think it was based in Dublin. I can't remember the, the exact arena. Apologies for that. But um, a lot of Irish fighters on the card. And just before the main event, there were two sort of up-and-coming Irish fighters that expected to have these big wins, both of whom got absolutely flattened. <laughs> like embarrassingly so. Um there were one I can't remember his name. Oh, it's annoying that's gonna slip my mind, but he basically got knocked out on his feet and the referee just allows it to continue. It's one of these instances, like he was an Irish judge, uh, an Irish ref, sorry, they had three Irish judges, so you could already see what were about to happen if it hadn't been a knockout, and he just wouldn't call it off. And this this poor kid were literally just getting his head beaten in and he was just knocked out on his feet. Um, it, one of the most dangerous things I've ever saw. He got taken straight to hospital afterwards. Um, towel got thrown in, and the referee ignored the towel. They're all this sort of stuff. It, <laughs> ridiculous. And who says boxing's not fucking bent? It was ridiculous. Honestly, I missed that. I've got to be honest. I hadn't even read about that, but I'll have to have a look after we've done this at that. Then that sounds like it's worth a little watch. It definitely is. I'm going to say I tweeted about it on our account. I can't remember the exact name, and it's it's going to annoy me. Um, uh, Cully, Cully it was, uh, was the kid. But he was just in severe danger. He just on verge of getting brain hemorrhage. Um, terrible refereeing. But anyway, I digress. So the main event, um, Taylor obviously stepping up to the, the higher weight class. Um, Taylor obviously known 
quite commonly, I think, as one of the best, if not the greatest women's fighter of all time. Um, a lot respect her for what she's done, and she has done a lot for women's boxing. And I think she's probably the well most well-known female boxer as well. Um, Chantal Cameron is a class above at that weight level, and she steps up. Uh, obviously, both undisputed champions. Uh, really good fight, but uh, Cameron just completely outboxed her, outfought her, and Taylor was left sort of with no answers whatsoever. I, I thought, in all honesty, it was going to be one of these where you're going to see a robbery, Taylor's going to get given it because it wasn't a knockout, but the scorecards were quite um, comprehensive and, and fair, actually. So the expectation for that is that there's going to be a rematch for it, but yeah, Cameron looks... A bit off more than she can chew? Got a bit carried away of her own height, uh, Taylor, do you think? Underestimated I, I would, her? I would compare it to Canelo stepping up to fight in Bivol in that very, very good at his own weight class, um, easily the best fighter in his own weight class, challenging himself in that sense steps up probably feels like you know they, they can't be beaten and then when your Taylor feet fights a Cameron or when your Canelo fights a Bivol you just hit a brick wall because the step up is such a comprehensive amount that you're like yeah you are fantastic and you are going to be one of the best if not the best but that's still asking a lot it, it, you only see a, a few people doing it and obviously we've gone into uh, that previously, you look at Anue, you look at Usyk has obviously done it, but it doesn't always work as easy as that. And people don't always or can't always translate the skills at the lower weight class to the, the higher weight class because it just is such a significant difference. And I can see them rematching. If it's in Dublin again, I could probably see it going to Taylor just because, again, I don't trust boxing. But if it's anywhere else, I think Cameron beats her again. Don't you think the most hilarious thing about these when you get these type of results is... As we, again, you know me, I'm one for common sense. It proves why there's weight classes. You can't just bounce around and go up. Like if you buy Canelo, exactly the same. Right, I've murdered people at three or four different weight classes. I'm going up. There's a, a point of diminishing returns where you are undersized and overmatched. And it would be the same is at one point, there was talk of Adesanya going up to fight John Jones at 205. Back you know, do you want to die? No, there's like, do you know what I mean? There's, there's weight classes for a reason. And as you said, I didn't see the fight. I saw some of the highlights, but it feels to me like she just bit off a little bit more than she can chew. I appreciate, I, I like that warrior spirit. And of course, we know that women's boxing doesn't have quite as many superstars as, as male boxing. So you'll get a few more uh, of like Clarissa Shields, where yeah. they'll try and jump a few rates around to get these kind of super fights, which I love the idea of and I love the principle, but weight classes are there for a reason. And I sometimes feel that people that don't respect those learn the hard way. Yeah, agreed. And as I say, it, it doesn't diminish anything. It doesn't take away anything from Taylor. I think obviously she's still... Apart from her unbeaten record? Apart from unbeaten record, of course, but <laughs> it doesn't take away anything in terms of her stature. She'll still, still be well-revered and will still be known as one of the best, if not the most influence, influential female boxer of all time. But I agree. I think there's just a certain limit on what people are able to do. The only argument against it is obviously she's undisputed champ at a level and there's no one else to fight at that point. So what else do you do? Agreed. And I, I can completely see why she took that fight. But yeah, Canelo's the good 
uh, analogy really that you know felt like look, there's no one really at my weight class I'll go up and then just bit off more than you can chew with 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 the weight jump but interested to see if I think she's already hasn't she I read that activated or wants to activate the rematch so it'd be interesting to see maybe a full camp maybe put some weight on try and get herself naturally up a bit bigger size to be able to cope with that size difference and um you know she's she is probably for a reason the most influential is a good word if not biggest female boxer in, in in the world so good luck to her on to this weekend then so we have a quite a significant cruiserweight fight uh it's a curly obviously currently unbeaten against chris billam smith obviously only suffering one career loss to react poor which is um no shame at all on that um do you know where it is is it not in Bournemouth? Because this is CBS's own... He is a Bournemouth lad. So the last fight, I think, essentially, one of my boys, Nick, who lives in Bournemouth, was there. And it's at uh, Bournemouth ground, isn't it? If I'm not Vitality Stadium, yeah. Is, uh, is your mate going to it? Uh, I haven't heard from him, but he said he was going to the last time because he said the next fight was supposed to be at Bournemouth. But his company have a season tickets there. So he takes clients to some Bournemouth matches. And so does, in fact, my brother-in-law. Uh, so I suspect he might be going as well. But he's obviously um, Bournemouth, not known for its uh, huge number of professional fighters. So uh, Callum and smith is a pretty big deal back in Bournemouth. Neither of which of those people decided to invite you, I see. That's not right. Yeah, him, yeah my it? brother-in-law, he's, he's not going to listen to this, so I can call him a cunt. But um, <laughs> didn't even invite me to the Liverpool match when he had tickets to go and watch Liverpool, Bournemouth-Liverpool. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I'll be getting a shout uh, out to the boxing either. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll have to find out. But um, I've got to be honest, as much as I quite like CBS and being a Bournemouth lad, I, I, I'll be rooting for him. I think Carly's probably a level above him, if you ask me. He's a huge uh, favourite. I think I saw he was two to nine odds on to win this. Yeah, um, I think he probably KOs him as well, if I'm honest, within six. I think well, good CBS mates. has got a, is, is probably a bit, again, back to that same point, probably bitten off slightly more than he can chew. There's levels to everything in this world. And I feel that Akali is a level above uh, Callum. But good luck to the lad. I'll be rooting for him and I'll probably be watching it as well, I would have thought. It's a boxer event, I think, isn't it on Sky? It is, yeah. It's on Sky Sports. Um, you had Ben Shalom coming out saying how it's one of the greatest events of the year and all this. I'm like, you, know, you would say that because it's probably your biggest billing on boxing of this year because you don't have any other superstars. Um, just a quick question on that, just before uh, we move on from Akolian and Billam Smith. Um, as I say, React Poor is Bill and Smith's only loss. Who's the best of the three? React Poor. And yeah, I would agreed. I don't think React Poor has fought a Kali as he. And I'm pretty sure this is a de facto title eliminator, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm but sure this is the for win- the title. This is for the title, is it? Is yeah, it? it's so, WBA Cruiserweight Championship. Um, but I would not be surprised. I mean, that's a big English match I would like to see. Akali Riakpour, I would say, has got, you know, if we're not going to get, um, you know, AJ Fury uh, or, you know, some of the bigger boys like that, that is a, a fight I would like to see. And they've both got a portion of the world title, haven't they? Riakpour's got one belt. And as you say, I think Akali's got one of the others. So that would be potentially to unify those two belts. So that would be a big fight, that. Does React Power have a belt? I didn't think he did. Let's have a look. I have a feeling that he does. I thought he had one, Akali had one, and then there was two other people. That is Because there's a Kazakhstani, I think, who's a bit of a fucking silent killer at that weight, who might have it as well, one of them. 
Um, I think you might be wrong. Because uh, Badu Jack's definitely got one. Um, Akoli's got one. I think... Uh, I can't remember that. Because Badu Jack's the WBC champion. Uh, I can't remember who the IBF is. Akoli's definitely the WBO. I can't remember who the WBA is. Oh, well, we'll have to find out now, seeing as we can't have you being Yeah, I was going to say, um, I'm certain Riakpour isn't a world champion. I'm sure he's never fought for him. Otherwise, he would be a world champion because he's unbeaten. Big pause um, is this. People driving um, in the cars. Okay. So you may be right. WBA would appear to be Arsam Gulamalamir. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Badu Jack has the WBC. Is it IBF? Opatai, uh, good shout, yes, has the yeah. IBF. Uh, I think you look like you might be right, you prick. Akali is the WBO. <laughs> uh, and weirdly, that Opatai is the ring, which most people would say um, is obviously one of the most sort of sought after. Um, well, they're all unbeaten apart from Badu Jack um, for obvious reasons, because Badu Jack's been around for a while. But uh, it's obviously got to be one of them three that would be the ring. And I'm pretty sure... Um, Gur- I can't remember his, how to pronounce his name. WA uh, world champion. I don't think he's had that many big fights. 27 and 0, though. Impressive. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think paper, he's fought anyone. Yeah, fighting top. pounds. And if you look at, we say, at the WBA rankings, one is DeCortis, Billum Smith's two. Um, you then go down, there's no like React Poor, there's no, they're not even in those rankings. So slightly suspect looking rankings there. But um, well, you big might fight see, nonetheless. Yeah, absolutely. You might, you might see React Poor go and get one of those. So you got titles. the here in the IBF. He's number two in the WBC. He's number four in the WBO. He's number two, and he is number six in the ring. So again, you get those quite weird fluctuations, don't you? There of some good old same ridiculous person. rankings. Yeah, yeah. Um, React, I think React Paul goes and gets one of the titles, um, and then. If a curly does come through this, which again, uh, it's not an easy fight. Uh, CBS is is quite a good boxer. Is React Paul? Maybe I'm getting confused. Is React Paul not the British cruiserweight title holder? Maybe that's what I'm thinking because I'm sure. Um, not that that matters, but you um, just make it to now. But um, I have a feeling he might be the. Um, yeah, he'd be Jack Massey for the uh, British cruiserweight title, but no one there cares. You go. That, so that that's the biggest belt that matters, isn't it? The, uh, <laughs> Uh, I thought I knew he had a belt anyway. I thought he had some kind of belt, but well, it's um, like me saying I, I wore a fucking Calvin Klein belt to work today. It's not, it's not <laughs> it's the same, not, is it? It's not quite the same, but yeah, I, don't, I get your point. Um, final point I've got for you, just because this talk about self-destructing a career. Have you seen? I don't know how. I haven't looked into it because I noticed this last night, and again when I was up at twelve o'clock, going down a bit of rabbit hole. Andy Ruiz Jr. Have you seen any of this on social no. media? No, no. So he would appear to have either been hacked or genuinely committed career suicide because what he did was post a series of photos, firstly saying, outside of the ring, I smoke loads of weed. And there's then <laughs> pictures of him with two of the biggest bags of green I've ever seen, waving them around like this. And he then goes on to say, 
I get blood doping to make sure that I'm clean for fight time and pass the drug tests. And then there's pictures of him with um, uh, injections and, you know, a whole sort of list of look, looking like uh, sort of medical implements of him looking like he's getting blood transfusions. Again, I don't know how true this is, whether his account's been hacked, whether he's just decided that he was super high and thought he'd just wreck his career. But have a look. I would, If you have a quick look on Twitter or something, you will be able to find out uh, and see it. But I don't know what on earth went on, whether, as you say, it's genuine or not. And maybe we'll come back to it and confirm uh, next week. But I saw it last night and I was just sat there cracking up to myself, like, what on earth is going on here? Did he say that it was his ex-girlfriend? Because there were... Loads of stuff. I think her name was Julia Lemus. Loads of stuff um, a year or so ago or last month or so. Everything molds into one. But I remember TMZ came out and said uh, that there had been or she had gone to to get a domestic violence restraining order against him because he had apparently abused her sexually and physically and also beaten his kids up. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll have a little look afterwards and I'll send you a few copies of the tweet, but it he's holding two of the biggest bags of weed I've ever seen, which doesn't 100% necessarily mean that it, he was smoking it. Mind you, he looks pretty high in the picture. And <laughs> again, there are some pictures of these kind of injections and things, but doesn't necessarily show you the face or anything like that. So it could uh, not be him in the pictures, but whether his account was hacked or something, but it was definitely one of those sort of just little funny stories that I saw and just thought, what the fuck is going on here? Just reading now. So he apparently went to Instagram Live shortly after he said, uh, my Twitter account got hacked by this bitch that I know. (laughs) What? Right, okay. So uh, maybe it's not too genuine, but yeah, have a look at some of the photos and see if you can see the picture of me saying these like bags of weed that are like this big and he's waving them. And it was uh, was pretty funny, but yeah, um, there seemed to be a few people replying like, what's going on? Has your account been hacked? Or are you literally just trying to uh, finish your own career? But um, yeah, I found it um, a slight distraction when I couldn't sleep last night. Definitely worth one now. I'll uh, I'll take a quick look at it after this then. Uh, just as a quick note, so there won't be another episode this week. So please don't all get very upset at once. Um, just because of how things are lying at the moment and with regards to obviously the end of the season is shortly upon us. Thank fuck. Um, we'll probably do one on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, we'll get released Monday or Tuesday, one of the two. Uh, yeah, I think so. As you say, depending, we might, I think we might be having a little um, Sunday session, might be on uh, Sunday um, for an out and about. So as long as we're not super... Um, you say we, you mean you, as long as you're not super hungover. Fuck, but, um, <laughs> yeah, um, I've just found, so I'm just having a bit look while you look. Um, Andy tw- uh, Andy Ruiz Jr. has complained his Twitter account was hacked by after a tweet was sent out about talking about taking drugs and paying for prostitutes. So... Um, <laughs> But yeah, there's just one there that says, the exact tweet says, I wanted to share with you what my life behind camp is really like. I love to drink codeine and smoke weed all day long. (laughs) I also love purchasing prostitutes. After this meeting, I'm going to clean my blood to make sure it comes out when Varda comes to my training camps. Fucking superb. Yeah, definitely. um, I I would assume it's a hack um, rather than oh else, but... Yeah, I'll take I will do, but what I will do is let me send you a li- link to the little pictures just because there does look appear to be some substance in 
the pictures of him um, and what he's up to. But I'll send it to you in, in a bit and uh, have a look because it'll uh, it'll make you laugh. But yeah, if it, any of it's remotely true, then um, he has committed career suicide or his ex-girlfriend has done that for him. And a good place to end it there, just by uh, talking about Andy Ruiz getting high and shagging hookers. And but, I apologise because um, I think I kept calling him John Ruiz. Yeah, so, uh, that, that's also why I couldn't find anything on Twitter when I was searching because his name's Andy Ruiz. So that John Ruiz were well. a former boxer like years ago. John <laughs> Ruiz like... fought because I saw him. He fought Andy. Uh, Andy, fuck, I can't get any cunt's name right. David Hay at heavyweight. Are you on drugs? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I mean, smoking a little bit of the uh, the, the Andy Ruiz. The uh, Ruiz fight. special. But, um, yeah, John Ruiz fought. I saw it. I'm pretty sure it was at the Manchester Arena. David Hay for the WBA title back in the day. That's the st- stuff that pe- uh, the dreams are made of, that, innit? The real big fights, that was when David Hay was actually quite good and not a twat that would blame losing the fight on a broken toe. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, good, good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. Hay versus Ruiz, it's probably about 2006, seven. I would have thought that was. But I've just sent you the link now. So have a little giggle to yourself uh, after we're done. I'm going to say, you're just rambling now. People have got places to be. They've got work to get to. By the time they listen to it, they're probably listening in the beds and uh, wanting to get to sleep. And then they've just got you in their ear now. Saying, shut the fuck up and piss off. So <laughs> on that note, it seems a good place as any to leave it. Thanks very much, everybody, for listening. And as always, we'll speak to you next week. 